podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Thank you as always for being here and I hope that you're all doing well and keeping yourself entertained during this rare interlow period. Now we've had um, obviously a few triple headers, a few double headers already and uh, another week off before we go back racing in Austria. And of course in the meantime guys, there have been a few stories doing the rounds this season and it's very easy to get lost in everything and sometimes allow things to go under the radar and then out of nowhere it pops up and you think, oh, where has that been? So we're going to talk about one of those stories today. And in particular, we're going to talk tyres. Yes, I know, tyres. Now, I'm not the biggest expert on tyres. My guest, from what we've been talking about, probably isn't the biggest expert on tyres either. However, the guest that we do have will be able to contribute quite a lot to this discussion on tyres. And in particular regarding the future manufacturers of tyres in F1. Right now, we currently have Pirelli. There have been rumoured bids from the likes of Bridgestone, who are aiming to return to the sport for the first time since 2010. So we're going to get into all of that and all of the news that's been going on so far and give our own opinions right now. But of course, joining me on the episode, without further ado and delay, we have Sam Cooper from Planet F1 joining us. Sam, first of all, thanks for coming back on the show today, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on again. It's always good to come. Always good to come on. Well, we always love having you on, and it's always a great discussion. I'm sure our followers will definitely agree with that one. Of course, guys, as always, don't forget to support us, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcasting platform. Please, 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 it does help us out a lot. Got that one out of the way nice and quickly. So, Sam, let's talk tyres. F1 2023, a lot's been going on. One topic that has reared its head every now and then is the subject of tyres. And of course, tyres being probably the most important thing in Formula One to some degree. We're currently in a situation right now where Pirelli's current contract runs until the end of 2024. So at the moment, we're going through a tender process for potential new tyre supplies to come into the sport. Now, historically, this has been going on quite a few times since Pirelli has been F1's sole supplier. And now Bridgestone have come forward and they really want to have a go at becoming F1's sole tyre supplier again. Why, after many years of going through this process and ending up with a de facto tyre supply in Pirelli, why now does it seem that we could end up in a situation where we have a new tyre supplier in Bridgestone? Yeah, I think Formula One is is never going to be that loyal. Like, if there's going to be a better option, they're going to go for it. And I think that's sort of what this process is, is sort of, sort of determining which tyre supplier would be best. Because I, th- I think we say tyre supplier, but it's sort of become such an all-encompassing role. Like, it's not just who provides the tyres. Like, if you think of Pirelli and sort of the marketing they do, I think they've sponsored a few of the Grand Prix. I can't remember which ones on top of my head, but they, they've definitely a title sponsor of a few of them. Like, it's such a big task now. Like, compared to the old days where it sort of just was, here's the tyres kind of thing. And, like, we've had, like, a good long time where, like, we haven't really had the tyre wars that we used to have a long time ago. Like, before we had, like, three or four suppliers in one season, but now we've had this bit of stability. And, like, I think F1 is just sort of putting feelers out there saying, okay, 
if you're interested, someone like Bridgestone, obviously an established company, they've done it before, they've got all their their merits and their pros. Like if they come across and they can, we can just say, okay, their bid's looking better than Pirelli, we'll go with them. But yeah, I think we're just sort of in that early stage now. I mean, it happens in all aspects of the sport, really. We, we're also in a similar similar case of the teams currently, like trying to decide which new team is the best, if they're better to get on the grid and stuff like that. So it's the same with tyres. Like F1's always going to look out for the best deal in terms of both sporting sense, but also a financial one. Because like I said, Pirelli bring a lot of marketing and a lot of sponsorship. And I suppose from Bridgestone, they've got to show that we can do that as well kind of thing if they want to be successful in their in their bid. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the factors, as you mentioned, is the commercial aspect. Bridgestone being a Japanese firm, I believe, Obviously, when you go to the Japanese Grand Prix, you see Bridgestone almost everywhere. But across the F1 calendar and across many aspects of motorsport, Pirelli is very synonymous with motorsport. And in particular, tyres, probably right now the world's most famous tyre supplier, at least as far as motorsport is concerned, purely because of F1. So it makes absolute sense for Bridgestone to want to be a part of that going forward, as they were many, many years ago. Now, If we may, Sam, when I say Bridgestone, a lot of older F1 fans or, you know, fans our age that will remember growing up watching F1 in the late 90s and the noughties, the name Bridgestone, whilst very synonymous with motorsport, it also has a little bit of infamy and some unfair infamy, if I may add to this as well, because of what went down at the 2005 Indianapolis Grand Prix. Now, To cut a long story short, for those of you who never saw that Grand Prix or don't know what we're talking about, honestly, go on YouTube. The start of the race is everything that you'll need to know. But long story short, there was a tyre war between Bridgestone and Michelin. And at the 2005 Indianapolis Grand Prix, all of the Michelin runners, and and this is when obviously some teams using Michelin, some using Bridgestone, all the Michelin runners couldn't partake in the Grand Prix over concerns of safety and the tyres not being able to last very, very long. We had a few crashes. Uh, I think a couple of the Toyotas had some accidents before the race. What we ended up having was a race of six cars, all the Bridgestone runners. The race eventually won by Michael Schumacher. Funny enough, his only win in a difficult season for him and Ferrari. Following on from that race, there was a lot of unfair criticism towards Bridgestone for the part that they played in this, that they wouldn't allow a chicane to be built. Time has gone on, and from what we've learned and the discussions that were had, Bridgestone were, in my opinion, they weren't really complicit to the issues that were caused. It was mostly a Michelin problem, and that's why Michelin stopped becoming a tyre supplier. I think it was 2007 they stopped supplying tyres once their contract had run out. Bridgestone carried on until 2010. As I said, looking back on that race, there was a bit of a sour taste for Bristow as a tyre supplier. I think in a way that probably influenced the decision to get Pirelli on. Fast forward to 2023, Sam. A long time has passed. Is F1 ready, in your opinion, to potentially embrace a return of a supplier like Bridgestone, for example? Yeah, I think they are. I think the main problem that F1 don't, they don't that like, they don't want to become an international laughing stock, which is sort of what happened in that race. Like, if you're not a fan and just look at a picture of, a, like a deserted grid with just a few cars on it that's just embarrassing for formula one i think that's one of the main reasons why they sort of switched to this sole supplier way of doing things because at least all 20 all 20 drivers are in the same boat really so i think it like you said it wasn't really that much to do with bridgestone like obviously they're not going to be keen to sort of allow one of their rivals in like if they've made a tire that can work on a track like why should they concede anything to make it so the other other of a supplier who obviously supplies a lot more teams can 
can do can 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 take part. So yeah, I think I think F1 is ready if if they wanted to go to Bridgestone. I ne- I don't think it's really about Bridgestone as a company. I think they're never going to go back, or certainly under the cu- current ownership, they're not going to go back to having dual suppliers in a single season. I think that's where that kind of issue could come from. But Bridgestone would obviously act similar to how Pirelli does. If there's a problem where all 20 drivers are crashing during free practice, then obviously Bridgestone are going to try and fix that because that looks bad on their brand. So, yeah, I think I think the sport and F1 itself is ready for Bridgestone to come back if they, if they deem it better than Pirelli. Absolutely. And, you know, from a commercial standpoint, it makes sense for Bridgestone to obviously try and rebuild faith and popularity, especially in the US where F1's market is currently growing. And that has been a, a real incentive for Bridgestone to want to get back into F1 to improve their image in America. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, just in general, like the sports popularity is huge. We all know, like, it's bigger than ever it was. It's certainly bigger than when Bridgestone left in 2010. Like, why wouldn't you want to get back on that grid? And like I said, America's a key market for both F1 and loads of other brands. Like, obviously, it's such a huge market in terms of the people, the money involved in it. So, yeah, the fact that F1's become so popular, like, I mean, we've seen it all over the board. Like, it's not just tyre suppliers. Like, everyone wants a piece of F1 currently. Like, it's, it's such a hot property. Like, it makes sense that Bridgestone would want to come back into it, yeah. Yeah, and of course, many people listening to this that watch IndyCar will say, oh, well, Bridgestone supply for them under the Firestone brand. Like, we know, we know, but of course, F1 are looking to expand their market and, you know, they're American fans that watch racing for the first time and they see F1 cars and they want to see the Bridgestone tyres on those cars like it was years ago. Obviously, that is important too. And I think moving on to the subject of Pirelli, Sam, the question is, why should F1 move away from Pirelli? Or why would Pirelli not be good to continue in F1, if that's a better way of putting it? And it the answer really changes depending on who you ask, quite frankly, whether you ask someone as a senior figure in F1, or if you ask a driver or a team, even if you ask fans right now. And because of that, that can create a very complicated situation. And it has done since Pirelli have been in the sport, which has probably played as to why F1 have continued with Pirelli, quite frankly. Yeah, I think Pirelli are often sort of in between a rock and a hard place because if you think about their tasks, like they're they're being tasked to design something that lasts, but only for a certain amount of time. And like, can you imagine any other industry where it's like, okay, we want you to build, I don't know, this iPhone, but it's got to last six months and that's it. And like, it's such a hard thing. Like they want reliability, but they don't want so much reliability that teams could just stick on one tyre and just go the whole way around the circuit. So, yeah, it's it's a really hard task to make a tyre that sort of fits this sport. Like, I think fans' frustration with Pirelli is their tyres haven't been producing those kind of interesting results of late. Like, if we think of the Red Bull this year, like, I know it's a special case because the Red Bull's so good at tyre deck, but, like, there's been times where it's run a soft, sort of, like, in the range you'd expect for mediums. Like, it's just gone and gone and gone and, like, for for fans, they're thinking, ah, oh, there's not that much difference between a soft and a medium and a hard, really. Like, there's not a huge gap. So tyre strategy is sort of becoming less and less. I mean, we saw it in Canada, like, Ferrari ran that medium for such a long time, like, well past sort of what was expected, and they didn't really have a load of problems with it. So I think F1 fans always want to see a tyre that, like I said, is sort of in that weird sweet spot where it's reliable up to a point, so it's not going to explode after two laps, but it's not going to last the whole race either. And like, that's just incredibly hard job for 
anyone to do really like to sort of make a product that works 75 percent well and then destroys itself at some point in the future well this is it and you know i often find as an f1 fan and a lot of fans have have said this over time that i think the best era for Pirelli was I think was sort of between 2012 and 2014 where you used to have like two free stop races where the tyres just would not last that long and they wouldn't last any time at all if you pushed them too far early on in the stint you had nothing left afterwards and I know drivers complain about that but I've often found with when it comes to what the drivers want it tends to be the opposite of what the fans want And this is kind of the dilemma F1 finds themselves in, and Pirelli as well, by extension, because as you pointed out, F1, they have demands of Pirelli. They want tyres that are going to be somewhat robust, but not too robust that you end up with one-stop races. And I think in a way this season, that's kind of where we are at the moment. I think they're a little bit too robust, and yet they're going to become even more robust with the idea that teams are going to be able to push and lean on them more. I don't know how that's going to work out. We'll have to wait till the British Grand Prix when that tyre comes in and we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it will work. I don't know. But at the same time, you have teams that want to try and make their races as easy as possible for themselves. So they'll make their drivers manage their tyres. The drivers will complain that these tyres are, you know, are going away too soon and they have to go even slower to try and mitigate that. And then you have the fans in F1 saying, oh, well, we want the tyres to be even worse because we want two free stop races. We want more excitement. We want more jeopardy. With all that being said, Sam, it, do you think it's realistically possible to actually find the right balance where you please everybody? And if so, are we being unfair to Pirelli by criticising them for not being able to achieve that? Yeah, I think you're right. That they're never going to find something that everyone loves. Like, it's just possible. Like you said, like probably Max Verstappen's ideal race would be 70 laps of no battling from start to finish, whereas an F1 fan sort of wants to see 70 laps of thrilling action where they're going wheel to wheel and like tires are getting worn down. Like that's just the way it works. Like drivers are always going to want to want to have whatever's best for their race. So like, it's not always an entertainment purpose and that. So yeah, I think it is impossibly hard for Pirelli to sort of achieve that. And I think it is quite easy to beat them with a stick saying like, Oh, you've done it terribly this year. And I, I that's not to say that Pirelli aren't with faults. I remember, was it the 2021 Azerbaijan Grand Prix where tyres just started randomly exploding? Like Verstappen was in the lead and his tyre exploded. Like they do have occasions where their tyres not quite up to scratch. But I think the best they can do is make everyone as unhappy as each other. So like there's, there's a certain medium between where the F1 drivers are like, okay, we'll, we'll get by this. F1 fans think the same. And I think to find that sort of like, if you imagine it as a Venn diagram, that little bit in the middle where everyone's sort of, mildly pleased but not to the full extent i think that's the best that pirelli can really hope for yeah and to be brutally honest i think f1 especially given how much more commercially driven it is to to uh to gain as much revenue as possible and to get as much revenue as possible from the fans and from you know commercial uh, supplies and commercial sponsors around the world right now because of that, they, they have to make the product as exciting and entertaining as possible. And to do that, they have to make the racing as exciting and entertaining as possible. So what the drivers really want, they want stability. They want more control. They want things to be within their remit. They don't really like spontaneity or they don't like circumstances that cause them problems. Now, if they have the control and it creates an exciting race, that's brilliant. But how often does that really happen? And I think 
Pirelli Motorsport director Mario Isola. He's been under a lot of scrutiny over the years. You mentioned Baku, of course, when you know Max Verstappen and Lance Stroll both had tyre blowouts in the same race and there was a lot of scrutiny there and there was an investigation saying, oh, the teams in particular ran their tyre pressures too low and stuff like that. Not that many of us actually believe that's what was going on, but that was the word from Pirelli at the time. Mario's stance has been very much the same as what we're saying right now, Sam, is that F1 is basically setting these spec demands on us. We're meeting them. We've been told that what we're doing is good right now. If we have to make changes, we're able to make changes. We do get complaints every now and then, but overall the feedback is positive. And this is what happens when you are a sole tyre supplier in the sport. And I kind of agree with that to an extent. That being said, as a fan, I would like a bit of a tyre war. I, I know mm-hmm. it's not likely, but I would like a scenario where we returned to having competing tyre supplies. And I know you sort of poured cold water on this earlier, Sam, but is there any realistic chance that if Bridgestone put up a decent enough bid, F1 may think, you know what, we can make more money out of this. Maybe we should have two different tyre supplies and the fans may get on board with that as well. Um, as much as I'm with you, like I think that would be interesting. Like we obviously we've got currently four different power unit suppliers. Like it's always nice to have a bit of variation. I just can't see F1 going for it to be honest. Like I think, like I said, they sort of want that uniform, like uniformity across the grid. They don't want the situation where like tires are just exploding for whatever reason. Like it becomes a bit silly, really. Like like I said, that was that was just sort of one off. Like that that didn't happen every every. <clears throat> every race as we know <laughs> sorry it's so emotional about tires um he's trying to hold yeah, back like, the think... fan versus the journalist there it's <laughs> yeah. like the fan's opinion Keep keeps Keep coming out <laughs> <laughs> i want the chaos <laughs> but no i think f1 just as a business have always like especially since the covid pandemic have always been like how do we present the sport in the best way and i think the best way to do that is to have one tire supplier so that if everyone has a problem there's no squabbling over like how to fix it like it will just get fixed so yeah as much as I'm also with you, I'd love to see it. Like, I just don't think that's a realistic possibility. I mean, we always heard crazy ideas years ago when this tie war was really going into life between Bridgestone and Michelin, that there were teams that were looking to have the, or looking into the feasibility of actually making their own tyres. I mean, and, and this kind of centred around this idea that Michelin, obviously they supplied Williams, it was at the time, Renault, McLaren, um, obviously majority of the teams, but those three in particular who were fighting for world championships year on year. And then you had Bridgestone that was supplying Ferrari, Jordan as it was, and Minardi. And the funny part about all of that was that Bridgestone catered to what Ferrari wanted and Jordan and Minardi just had to deal with it because they were minnow teams respectively whereas Michelin had to cater to all the other suppliers so in a weird way I always wonder Sam what it would be like if F1 just gave free license to all the teams and they can make whatever tyres they want or they can procure their own tyre supplier that met their own specs and in a way that bit of randomness or that control that the teams have maybe that would have a positive effect or a negative effect. I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, what would your thoughts on that if we gave every team the opportunity to procure their own tyre suppliers? Um, and with the exception of customer teams, of course, Haas would just do what Ferrari want because, you know, that's normal. But uh, what would you reckon about that? Oh, can you imagine if they didn't? Imagine if they had, like, Mercedes tyres. That would be fascinating. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, uh, I think that is. I think that would be really interesting. Like, it's obviously... The more variation you have the sport the better like i'm also thinking like how does that work in a cost cap era like could it could a team spend loads on tires and then sort of have to sacrifice somewhere else to sort of make up for that like 
I think that would be an interesting added element that maybe teams buy cheaper tyres and sort of try and hope that their car is quick enough that they can replace the tyres quickly. So, But yeah, I think that is definitely an interesting element. Like I said, realistically, I don't think it would happen, but I would I would be interested to see sort of what occurs if if teams can make their own tyres, like you said, really. Yeah, in in a weird way, it's, it, it, it's one of those variables that you like to play around with. I don't, I don't see it being likely purely and simply because F1, especially in a cost cap here and now, they want to try and create as level playing field as much as possible. So the last thing they want to do is give teams control of another variable that can create more of a parity or a gulf in the pecking order. On the subject of Bridgestone, the defence for Pirelli, as far as I've been aware throughout this turbo hybrid, has not necessarily been Pirelli have always been able to deliver the specs that F1 has asked of them and try to find the right balance between what the fans want what the you know the commercial sponsors want, what the drivers want, and what the teams want. You can decide whichever order that you feel that that fits in. You know, to everyone that's listening to this. Um, but at the same time, I think the biggest problem that as to why new suppliers had such a difficult time to try and get the tender contract to be the tie supplier, other than Pirelli, is the cars have changed so much since Pirelli have been in the sport. You know, we cast our minds back to 2011. The cars weighed about 200 kilograms less than they do now. They generate so much more downforce now than they used to. The loads on the tyres and the energy levels on these tyres are so much more intense than they used to be. And to Pirelli's credit, even when they've made tyres that have been a bit of a dud, I remember, um, if you remember back in, I think it was, um, was it twenty? Was it 2013 where we had that mad, or 2012 we had that mad season and then they had the tyre change and and then obviously to the detriment of the championship, because I think Red Bull dominated after that. Long story short, Pirelli to this point have been able to meet those demands. And I think the concern is, Sam, that if we have a new tyre supplier in, not only will they have a difficulty in being able to meet those demands, but given that their contract is up in 18 months time, can realistically a new supplier, even one like Bridgestone, be able to meet those increased demands of how tyres used to be versus how they are now on these uh, new cars? And also the logistic demands of having to, within 18 months, provide the tyres to 10 teams minimum. There could be more if there are more teams coming on the grid in 2026 or 2025 and go to potentially 22 to 25 races across the world. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent point, really. Like, there's such a quick turnaround. Like, I'm surprised this sort of wasn't thought of ahead, really. Like, I think realistically no completely new team like suppliers ever going to get that bid because like you said there's so much logistics involved to like making the f1 tires and i think that's sort of what helps bridgestone is yes the tires are completely different obviously they're bigger now they weigh more themselves but at least they have some experience of producing f1 tires they know the process they know how it works really so i think realistically like it would be a rush but i think they could probably get it done in 18 months i don't think they'd submit this bid unless they sort of proven that, yes, we can get back up to running like kind of quickly. So yeah, I think it's a valid point to say that Pirelli have obviously had so many more years developing this tyre, making this tyre, that naturally they're going to have an advantage over anyone who comes to the sport. And I think that sort of rules out any new supplier that's never done it before, because that's just not enough time to sort of learn the ropes really. So yeah, I think, I think Bridgestone feels somewhat confident that their past experience will at least make them able to provide a tyre come 2025. Yeah, and that's something that's concerned me as well because when I was trying to look up the process of how F1 is going to go about trying to procure 
the next highest supplier beyond 2024, whether that be Pirelli or Bridgestone. I don't think anyone else has thrown their hat in the ring because as far as I'm aware, only Pirelli and, Brid- and Bridgestone have actually submitted actual bids. Quite often it's kind of been rumoured about and then whatever happens, happens. And by default, Pirelli ends up being the only tyre manufacturer that puts their hat in the ring to uh, renew in this case. But as far as we know, the, the two bids have been accepted and received by the FIA. The governing body is now conducting a technical assessment, which is likely to conclude in the next few weeks before the companies enter commercial discussions with F1 and negotiations, which could take a few months. In my mind, Sam, when I read that, and for those of you listening at home or if you're listening, you may feel the same way, depending on how you see things right now with F1. I can't help but feel that we've just mentioned the logistical constraints and dilemma that a new tyre manufacturer would have. If F1 enters into a bidding war, which it may want to do so to raise as much money as possible from the next tyre supplier, is it more likely that the longer this gets drawn out, the more and more likely F1 puts itself into a corner where it has to take Pirelli on again, purely simply because logistically it just becomes more and more difficult for Bridgestone, for example, to meet the demand uh, the closer we get to 2025? Yeah, I mean, that's a completely fair point. I think this process sort of weirdly mirrors the new team process because obviously we're in that in that regard, we're waiting for the FI to give us the new their approval basically of who who they think would be good for the grid. And then it goes to F1 for all the commercial deals. And like you said, like as we've seen with the teams, like the new teams trying to get the grid, the current teams and F1 itself is always just going to do what's best for the bank balance, really. Like to an extent, obviously, like if a horrendous dictator decides to start supplying tires like you'd like to think f1 would be like maybe not today but um um i think yeah like like you said like they they will want the best offer but i think they sort of will consider that the sporting merit of it as well so maybe not just financial so like maybe the f1 teams were like better the devil you know really like yes pirelli has some problems but maybe as part of this negotiations we can sort of work on those problems and at least we know this company, we know they can do it kind of thing. So that that might play into Pirelli's hands. But yeah, like you said, the longer these neg- neg- uh, negotiations go on for, the less and less likely Bridgestone, I think, will be successful. Like they'd have to come in with a great bid immediately. Be like, look, this is what we pay. This is what we do. These are the marketing things we can bring to you. Like these are the commercial aspects we can bring. And I think that's sort of what F1 itself will be most interested in. Obviously, FIA in its role in its role as like sporting governing body, like they're going to be the ones that focus on like, okay, is it is it doable? Like, is it a good tire? Like, do they have the capability to do that? But also, like, I don't think we can forget that the, the sport itself having like such a focus on environmental concerns. Obviously, like we've got all these engines coming in, we've got um the the carbon neutral from twenty thirty. Like, so if one company says. Yes, we talked about a minute ago about how, how it'd be nice if tire if com- if cars just like shred through the tires. But at the same time, like if one company comes in and says, "Okay, we're gonna get through X amount of tires in a year," and another one says a number way lower, like there will be some kind of consideration on the environment because I personally don't know how emiss how many how many emissions it takes to make a tire, but I can't I can imagine it's quite a lot. So like I think that will also play a role. So yeah, I think there's just a lot of things for both both suppliers to really prove to get everyone on board really see this is where we start to get a little bit cynical with this conversation because i'm hearing all of that and i absolutely agree with you i think that is a very very important thing to consider but when we're in a position where we've already mentioned the difficulty with the logistics if a contract was offered to tender to bridgestone today which it's not 
it could be several months before we get to a position like that, if at all. Um, the environmental element as well, the experience that Pirelli have, and the feedback from the teams, the drivers and the fans. I, I don't think there are many fans actually really that bothered about who supplies the tyres, as long as the racing is great. Whether the tyres play a factor in that or not, and more often than not, they do, but for different reasons. The longer this goes on, Sam, part of me almost feels like this could just be an exercise where F1 already know they want to keep Pirelli on. Many senior figures within the sport have already expressed concerns and scepticism towards the idea of bringing in a new tyre supply for all the reasons that we've already mentioned already regarding the cars and the logistics and the environment and everything else. This could just be an exercise to keep Pirelli on, but Bridgestone are almost being used in a way to try and get Pirelli to pay more money in the negotiations. It's kind of like um, an example, like a footballing example, when a player at a club is putting the feelers out to potentially go to another new club, but all they're doing is really getting their current club to just offer them more money in a bigger contract. I almost feel in a way, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here, and probably I am, that F1 might just be doing this to get Pirelli to pay a bit more money to stay on as the tyre supplier. Oh, no, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, you're right to bring up the football analogy, but also like just thinking about Lewis Hampson, maybe that's what he's currently doing with some of these I know he didn't start them, but the Ferrari rumors coming out, like it's always going to help contract negotiations. So yeah, I think that is entirely fair. Like only the people within F1 will truly know like what their what their goal is if they've already made their mind up. Personally, I think I do see that Pirelli will be the ones to win this, really. I think, like I said, it's the better the devil you know, really. Like there's so much changing about F1. Like we've just had these regulations changes in 2022. 2026, we've got all these power unit regulations, more teams are coming in. Um if you're an F1 boss, this is just sort of another thing to tick off as, yeah, that's fine. That's staying the same. Like, we've got enough on our plate with all these new power rates coming in. Like, if we can have one thing that we know is going to be consistent, then, yeah, let's just go with that. So, yeah, I think I'd put Pirelli like an 80% favourite. I think the Bridgestone bid would have to be really, really good for anyone to sort of even consider it. But that's not to say they won't do. Like I said, they, they'll sort of do what's best for them. And if Bridgestone does look look better than Pirelli for whatever reason, then they, they could go for that as well. And we haven't even seen what the technical regulations are going to be as well. You know, that that could play a big part as well. And I don't know about you, last season, a lot of people were praising the fact that we got more overtakes than we did in previous eras. And the new regs seem to do the trick. I, I do feel this season, comparatively from race by race, it's been up and down at some circuits. I mean, we went to Canada recently and you know, the Canadian Grand Prix didn't have as many overtakes as it did the season before, but I actually thought it was a much more entertaining race for different reasons. So, you know, one doesn't necessarily suggest that overtaking equals great racing. It's just how you look at things or what you want from F1. But at the same time, with the tyre argument, that is also a factor of the technical regulations. And I think we have to consider that how these cars are set up aerodynamically, they are going to play a part in the racing, maybe more so and the tyres that they're actually driving around with. And I think sometimes we often forget about that. So it is interesting. I will be quite keen to see how this plays out. Bridgestone obviously seem relatively confident that they can meet the demands that F1 are setting on them. I agree. I think Pirelli is most likely going to be the, the manufacturer that retains this contract and continues supplying tyres for F1 for the foreseeable future. One thing I will ask though, Sam, before we sort of wrap up this conversation and put it to our listeners to let us know their feedback on this, if there was one thing that you could change about the tyres that we have in F1 right now, and it could be related to the racing or related to 
the manufacturers or how they're made or etc etc what would you like to see going forward Ooh, good question um i think just more variation between the compounds really i like like i said like it doesn't seem like there's a whole load between like soft and mediums currently like it's only a few tents really like and they they seem to last roughly similar i know softs still still like, get used quicker than the mediums but i think there's not enough really like a team could sort of risk it and go for either or and not really face the consequences like that's what be my big goal like to really have these compounds where it's like right if you go on the soft you could be lightning quick but it's going to last about eight laps and then you guys come back in or you can go on the medium sort of like as it's called a medium tire so somewhere in between or if you want to just go practically the whole not maybe not the whole race but like 70 percent of the race on the hard tire like you're going to do it but you're going to be really slow like that that's sort of what i would want so then strategists have to think a bit more about which tire they use and for when and then just really monitor that data like is the tire degrading quicker than we're expecting? Like, I think that would be my number one wish list of just tires that are a bit more, a bit more independent of each other. Like they sort of do what they say on the tin, really. No, I absolutely agree with you. And this is kind of where my, well, the other bit that I like to add in as well, and I think a lot of people probably said this already sort of comes in with that. You've got that variation between the tires. I mean, it's not quite as crazy as we had with the with the rainbow tires that we used to have, the hyper soft, ultra soft, super soft, soft, uh, medium, hard, super hard. I think I got them all. Um, and that's just the, that's just, that's just the dry tires. It's better than a packet of Skittles, quite frankly. Every time I see them, I always think of those old F1 tires. I mean, what an era we lived through for that that was some uh that was I rather miss, i miss those i miss those colors i do in a way part of me there was some joy in a weird way i think it was like 2017 2018 era where part of me really enjoyed watching um what was it the racing points driving around with pink tires i don't know it just mm. quite it was quite nice it, there was always an element to it it's like the hypersoft like this is the fastest the car is ever going to be on the calendar but you only ever saw it at low tire deck circuits like monaco for example and a few others like that it was fun, but it got very, very complicated for fans that probably don't follow the sport as religiously as perhaps you or I do, or many others listen to this show do with respect. So I get that. And what I was going to say was mandatory two-stop races. I think that would be pretty cool. I know some fans say, oh, that's a bit of a cop-out. It's just an extra stop in addition to what we do now. And it actually would create less jeopardy. But I think if you put, if you um, were able to get a tyre supplier, let's say Pirelli or Bridgestone, whichever one it is, we don't know yet. But either one of them were able to create those tyres that you mentioned where there's such a huge offset between the softs, the medium and hards, between durability and speed, depending on which end of the spectrum you go down. If you put that in conjunction with two, mandatory two-stop races, you then create a scenario where everybody's going to go through different phases of the race. They have to. They can't avoid it. And you end up in a scenario where it comes down to who manages those situations best. Who chews up their tires too quickly? Who manages their tires better? And I think we often we often praise particular drivers that are very good at managing them, like Sergio Perez, for example, um, Fernando Alonso, uh, you know, another great tire manager. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has got significantly better in recent years, as has Max Verstappen to his credit. So, so you know, we, we often lay praise on those people. I feel like you create a dynamic there with those two combined elements. I think you have something there that could actually really work, providing the cars are set up in the right way that you could make that work. 
Yeah, definitely. Like in that situation, would you make it so they have to use free compounds? So like, every yeah, time all, they stop, all free they, com- Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So when I say mandatory two-stop races, I what I mean effectively is they have to use all free compounds in that one. I should have been mm-hmm. specific, but no, thanks for the say. I do. I wonder if you meant like soft, medium, soft. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, they have to okay, use, that would yeah, be interesting. They yeah, have like to that. use all free compounds. Otherwise, okay. it's a bit of a cop out, isn't it? <laughs> I like that. I'm, sure that, that I'm, I'm predicting like loads of like late pit stops straight into the soft. Like, come on, let's go. Like, let's get gone. So that, yeah, that's, that's good, the it? thing, isn't it? Because it, and it appeases. I think it appeases to all types of F1 fans because being. I mean, I don't know how it was for you, Sam, but growing up in the '90s, like I was, I was one of the only guys in my entire school, my friendship group, that liked F1. Everyone thought it was boring. It's like, oh, we should watch football. I, was like, I did watch football, but I like F1 too. Um, and you get to a point now where F1 is so. It's, it's so much exposure there's so much of a fanfare nowadays and I think a lot of us all come together and we have different levels of interest whether we love it religiously we like the strategy element we'll watch the race from start to finish people are like the sprint format or they'll watch certain parts of the race in and out or they'll tune in for the end where it all kind of kicks off and it does in a way but sometimes it fizzles out I feel with that idea when you combine those two elements to it you do get a scenario potentially where there will be drivers that left the soft tires till the end they put them on and they're chasing down the leaders that decided to pit a bit earlier get a big undercut and then they're managing hard tires all the way to the end it all comes together and i think it actually creates a quite a, a quite a decent product assuming f1 and the tire suppliers manage to get it right it all becomes about the driver then yeah like like like, like we mentioned before like more variations good for the sport maybe not for the teams maybe they won't like the added risk of having to do another stop but yeah like i think that would be an interesting interesting move if they did i mean i don't think they will but if they did did go for it i think that that could produce some more interesting races for sure yeah i mean i would say to f1 put the royalty checks in the post if they decide to implement that but we're probably (laughs) the first people to recommend this we certainly won't be the last and i think to sum things all up and Look, we love the drivers to bits. You know, they're great at what they do. They risk their lives to entertain us on a bi-weekly basis at the moment. But at the same time, I often find that F1 as a sport is much more entertaining as a fan when we don't listen to the drivers in terms of what they want within reason. When it comes to safety, fair enough. But when it comes to, oh, I want to have control of this, I want to have this. When drivers are getting hot under the collar or they start to worry a little bit or they're having difficulties managing stuff and it creates a bit of urgency and sporadicness, I often find that more enjoyable. And I'm sure a lot of fans watching the sport want that too. So perhaps whoever F1 go with for these tyre supplies going forward, with respect to the drivers, I would say their feedback is probably the least interesting or the stuff that I would consider least if I'm procuring tyres going forward, within reason, of course. Yeah, I mean, F1 drivers love a moan, so like, that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah, well, it's like, like you, you said, isn't it? Like with Max. Um, like, yeah, sorry yeah, to interrupt, like, like you said with Max, what he would, I mean, I'm just picking Max out. An example, Lewis did it before, Fernando. They all want a race where it's nice and boring, there's 30 seconds every mm-hmm. everyone and they win. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just a standard day in the office for them. That's sort of what they all want. But like, Obviously, if anyone offered us to that like that to us as well, like we'd say yes, please. I don't want to go into my office and there'd be like a lion in there. Like that's obviously more interesting for someone watching, but for me, it's more stress. So like that's similar in a weird way to, to F1. There's not lions on the track yet. Um, so yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, you have to sort of keep the drivers on board, but like to a, to an extent, like you can't have them. You can't let them have their all their own way, or else, like you said, it would just become 
20 cars going around the track, like not even anywhere near each other. Might even have like timed runs for us where we just keep each other away from each other. So yeah, I think keep them on board, but don't make it all about them. Yeah, I was getting that. Uh, I get flashbacks about that qualifying session that uh, Bernie brought in many years ago where there was the elimination qualifying mm-hmm. and we ended up with like a uh, pole position decided with four minutes left to spare it's absolutely horrendous so uh, <laughs> we don't want to go back there but no I, I love the enthusiasm for it and you know I think we, I think I should clarify that when I say oh we should be listening to the drivers on this of course the driver's feedback is important but I often find that when F1 tries to appease the drivers in what they want they're always moaning about elements that give them an advantage or give them a bit more control and I think what the fans want and what commercial sponsors and spectators want in general is more jeopardy, more excitement, more, not so much risk, but in terms of risk of position rather than, you know, health and safety risk and all that stuff. We don't want that, of course. We want it to be safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Sam, you know, that that was fun to talk about that. I hope, in a way, we made the tyre discussion a little bit more fun than... I was trying to think of a pun. All I've got is tyre side chat. That's as much as I can do. I I can't can't think of... I was like, the whole... The whole time we've been recording, like, I can think of a pun, but no, that's the best I've got. It's tire side chat. I mean, I, I remember when I first started this podcast and I was thinking of themes to go with when I was trying to advertise it. And the first thing I come up with, and it was the most cringe thing ever, it was like tired of tires. And to try and play <laughs> yeah. on that and say, we're actually more fun. We don't bore people. Like, I'm like, yeah, that, that's definitely good. I'm glad I didn't go down with that route. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't think of any puns either. I'm sure there are some no, out there. Yeah. Let us know in the comments section, guys, if you've got, <laughs> you've got tire, tire related, <laughs> yeah, tire related puns. Tweet me. <laughs> get them in there. Put them on a YouTube channel. Tweet me. I want to get a Sam. tweet at like half past two in the morning. Just someone be like, oh, this is a great pun. Well, there you like, go. Thank you. Sam, if you, you want, it. please let our wonderful followers know where they can find you on social media. So if they have oh, any yeah. tire puns, they can contact you at 2.30 in the morning with a tire pun. It's Sam Cooper underscore. I exclusively want tyre punts. Don't get in touch with me unless it's a tyre punt. <laughs> <laughs> Do your worst, I dare you guys. But of course, let us know in the comments section your thoughts on this tyre debate. Not necessarily regarding whether you'd want Pirelli or Bristol, although you can do if you want, but let us know what you would like to see regarding tyres going forward. Do you like the idea that Sam and I mentioned a bit more variation between compounds and mandatory two-stop races to incorporate each tyre compound? Or any other suggestions you may have, do let us know in the comments section as always. But I think that's all we've got time for, guys. We're going to be back next week to preview the Austrian Grand Prix. Normal service will be resumed as always. But until then, thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe as always. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.